This is the Master Marketer Show, powered by Proofpoint Marketing. Each week, we explore the mindsets, skill sets, and tool sets the top B2B marketers use to drive results. Gain actionable insights, one masterful, revenue-generating success story at a time. Let's get started. everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Master Marketer Show. Uh, today, I've got Corey Brown with me, who's the head of marketing at Risk360. And we're going to have an interesting conversation today. We're going to talk about um, Corey's decision to uh, recently pivot from a podcast to webinars. And I think something that all of us as marketers often run into is we have our ideas, we put things in market, but how do we decide at what like at what point do we pivot? At what point do we say, okay, this isn't working, it's time to stop, you know, trying to optimize it, Let, let's do something else. Or decide that, hey, something else is working better um, than this other thing. So I think that's where we want to start. So obviously, uh, I just mentioned, Corey, you, you recently switched from a podcast to a webinar. Maybe give us a brief overview, if you will, of the situation, and then let's dive into mindsets. So I've been with the company for a year, and before I started, the company actually started their own podcast. So Risk360's podcast, we're called Tuesday Morning Grind. So every Tuesday, we would release the podcast. We were interviewing people in the cybersecurity and privacy industry. It was great to help, you know, with brand recognition and those types of things. When we actually start looking at the funnel, like we're actually doing like data driven decision making, like looking at what was actually driving in leads, what was driving in followers on our social platforms and YouTube. We actually found like the webinars we had done the year before were 20x the amount of people that was being added from the podcast. We were getting like a lot of pats on the back. We love the podcast, but it wasn't really showing and generating leads. And, it, and it, one of the things that we started the conversation around before we decided to pivot was what was the actual purpose of the podcast? That was my first question to our CEO. And he was like, to get leads. Like he was like, you know, I want to help out the community. I want that. But in the end of the day, I'm a business owner. And this is for us to get brand recognition and people to be interested in our products and our services. So I was just like, you know, when I actually look at the data, running the analytics in YouTube, running the analytics in HubSpot, um, like, our webinars we've done in the past have added way more leads and followers. So how about we think about stop doing the podcast? And one of the things he was, he brought up was he was like, Corey's like 80, 20 rule, like, you know, 80% of our leads are coming for this. We should do more of it. And the time it takes to do a podcast and do it properly with the setting up the interviews, like being on here right now, uh, it's a lot of time and effort that goes into creating a good podcast. So we were like, you know, how about we just stop doing it and just do, webinars, come up with a strategy, come up with some content ideas, and then use our other thought leaders in the company to get more face time in the, the world and be real thought leaders on the subject matter because they can teach it now. Um, so that's what we decided to do. And it was kind of a tough decision, I think, for a maybe a moment um, because we're like, we spend a lot of time, energy, we spend a lot of money on these resources. We built a studio, we have cameras, we have microphones and lights and all the things that we've, you know, invested in this and like, but we can still use it. You know, the equipment's still there for us to do these webinars and they look high quality. We have good camera quality. We have good lighting 
And that's what we decided to do. And I'm not in the studio right now. I'm actually at home, uh, working on home, <laughs> working from home today. <laughs> no, I, uh, one thing I really want to go back to is something you said at the very beginning, which is you asked yourself, what was the purpose? Right. I think that word is critical. And then also, you know, I'd love to hear more from you of, I think a lot of the times we, you know, there, there, at least recently, I feel like there's this altruistic marketing trend, if you will. It's like, oh, we're just here for the community. It's like, let's be honest, everybody. We're here to make money. Like that's <laughs> like that every business needs to make dollars. That's a business's work. So yes, you want to add value to the community, but it can't come at the expense of the business. Yeah, and I, I think I, the other I mean, part that you brought up. And that was one of the things when we talked about it, because it was very clear that we want to help our community. We actually launched some free software for cybersecurity and GRC specialists that's for the community. But at the end of the day, like we can still add to the community, but do it in a way that also helps us and get our name out there. And realizing that the podcast, it was to get our name out there, it was for us to build leads and help the community, but the webinars do the same thing. So it was kind of like when I, as a head of marketing, when I sit down with my, my boss, head of revenue, the CEO of my company, and go like, all right, so what is the purpose? Why are we doing this? And if we can clearly define the purpose before we invest and put a lot of time and energy, it's like, let's find the best way to meet this need that we're trying to do in the most time effective, affordable way that can still get us everything that we need without actually trying something new. Because I, I think that's, you know, the thing I learned as a marketer over the years is, is a lot of new shiny things. It's a lot of, you know, it's a lot of blogs about stuff, it's a lot of videos about stuff, and you can read, this is the thing you should be doing to do X. And it's probably like 15 different things you can be doing. So from your experience and then really from your data, you can start determining what, what you should do. But I do feel like I was very happy that they were doing the podcast when I started with the company because you have to take chances. You have to try stuff. And if they hadn't tried, like, let's do some webinars, let's do some podcasts. When I came, I wouldn't have the data to say this works and this doesn't work. And I, and I don't think it's the one thing I've learned more, working at multiple companies over the years in many different positions and content and head of marketing, head of B2B marketing in the last company I was with. Like, you have to try things and then you have to analyze. Like, you have to sit there and go, like, what actually worked, what didn't work, and then put your energy into stuff that did work. And the things that didn't work, you kind of sometimes like, all right, it didn't work, guys. Like, we tried it. We gave it three months. We gave it, like, like for the podcast, gave it for over a year. But it's not hitting the purpose that we set it for. So let's just move on to something else that's actually going to make our goals and also you know, still be part of the community. Like, I think that's the one key thing I want to bring up about content. Like, you should be creating things to help people and not just getting leads in the funnel. But as a business owner and as the really the head of a marketing department, any young people that wants to be a head of marketing one day, if you can't go to your bosses and go, hey, CEO, we actually are increasing leads, re-increasing the sales funnel, re-increasing the amount of money you're making as a company. All those cool things that you just did doesn't really matter at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, and I think this is where I'd love to take this conversation is, you know, to a certain extent, and correct me if I'm wrong, so you, uh, I'm going to clarify something first. Uh, you came into the organization when they were already doing some webinars and they've been running the podcast for a little while, right? Correct. So 
to a certain extent, you could say you're kind of lucky in the sense of these weren't your uh, decisions, right? These were programs yeah. that you inherited and you can go, you know, subjectively and say, well, or objectively, I should say, and say, well, this one's doing better than the other. This one's not doing, not achieving the purpose. What I'd love to hear you maybe talk about a bit is a lot of the, a lot of marketers are stuck in the other side, which is like they've committed. They've said, hey, we should try whatever these three things or this one thing. I think this is going to be great. Maybe it's a podcast. Maybe it's a webinar series, whatever it is. And at some point you start realizing, you know, what, this thing is just not working. I've, we've optimized it. We've tried to do different things, different formats, different whatever. It's just not working. And it, you know, it, it, to be able to go to your boss, to the CEO or the CRO or whoever and say, hey, you know what, this thing that we really just committed a lot of resources to and we spent the last whatever six months or a year working on, it's not doing what we said. I mean, that's that's a hard thing to do. Yeah. Um, what's the mindset that someone needs to have to be able to have those those types of conversations, to be able to make those decisions? I've, you know, I've done things in my career, especially when I was focused just on content that didn't work. Um, and it's a very tough <clears throat> conversation that you have to go to, like the people who are right, you know, cutting your check and say, hey, this thing that we spent all this time and energy on, it's just not working. But uh, I think it comes with being able to not and say put all of your eggs in one basket or even put, you know, have such ownership of something where you're just like, hey, this is my baby. It has to work. Sometimes you have to realize that in business in and in life, you kind of have to make adjustments. You have to, like I say, try more than one thing. Like it's never one thing that you should put all your egg. You know, all these things that like we should invest all this money into. I think I've done you know, ABM before. I've done several other things where you spend a lot. Of, it's a lot of money to get invested in there. And then at certain points in different companies, and it really depends on your company more than even your industry, like what works inside your company. This is not working for us. Like we just spent a lot of money, a lot of time in this, but it's really not moving the needle. But it's good to have, like I said, try multiple things because it's a good thing to say, like, hey, this thing that we spent a lot of time and energy didn't work. But here are these little five other things that we've been working on that didn't cost us this much money that are working. And we should focus our energy and our budget on this next year or next quarter. It's a lot easier to have more than one thing running. Um, like right now for my team, I'm building out like a revenue marketing organization. So we're not focusing on just one thing. We're going to be focusing on account-based marketing, content, digital, social, like how to, you know, generate leads in many different ways and quality leads. So if one thing is not working, we can easily say, but this one is, and luckily we can move into that direction. But I think that's the thing as a marketer. You know, try to have more than one thing that you're going to be basing it around. I've seen a lot of people, a lot of friends and colleagues who've had that issue because they put a lot of energy in one thing. And then it's really difficult to then explain, like, we don't really have a game plan outside of this. So it's good to just have a lot of things going on. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you mentioned the word investment, which, you know, I kind of look at it as. You know, the typical investment advice is, you know, you have to have some diversification in your portfolio. I think marketing is the same way, right? I, I, I am curious though, what are your thoughts on like, what, where's that happy medium between diversification and spreading yourself too thin? That's a good question. I actually get that. Uh, my boss asked me that recently. Oh, <laughs> this is a great question because it, it's, it's difficult to say like, Hey, we're going to try these five things. We're going to try these 50 things because there's a lot of different things you do in marketing. 
I think it's best to take time to understand your business and understand your audience, who your customers are, what products you're actually trying to sell and try to find the best things that that audience might be, where their watering holes are gonna be. Are they gonna be on social media a lot? Are they gonna say, might need to invest in a lot of social media marketing tools and team and everything else? Are they on YouTube? Thankfully, my audience is on YouTube right now. So we can spend a lot of time and energy on video. Um, are they reading blogs? Are they going to these different websites? Like you kind of have to figure out your game plan based on that audience you're going and where they're gonna be at. And then that's where you put your time and energy investment. Um, you don't want to like I, I think i've shut down several social media channels at different companies because you're like we're in b2b space you might not need a facebook channel <laughs> you might not need instagram but we need the ones that work in b2b so i think that's the the key thing is being very cautious about taking on channels and taking on warding your holes that your audiences is not going to be at. yeah and, and i mean not to take us on a tangent or anything it's interesting where um yeah, I think most channels, I should say most, a lot of channels can work in the B2B space. It's more of a, your audience, I mean, you know, Facebook's got what, 3 billion people? They're yeah. there. The question is how, how do you get in front of them? And then, and then does that work for your audience in your industry, right? Just because they're there, does that mean that you should be going after them there? Yeah. You know, and, that, you know, and that's testing, like maybe testing some retargeting. You know what I mean? Put a little budget, get approval, and it's test retargeting and see what happens. If it doesn't work, you know, then shut it down. You know, I think yeah. that's the, the key point. It's just, it's okay to test. It's okay to try. Be very budget conscious when you're trying because you don't want to put too much money into something that you don't know is going to work yet. Yeah. But just test it out, see if it works. If it does, you know, put more into it. If it doesn't, shut it down, go to the next channel or even the next, like, I think ABM's really big, but that's always demand generation, so it's lead generation. Like, you kind of have to figure out which one you want to do sometimes, but then sometimes you're like, hey, maybe we can try all three, but it might be a good idea to get the one channel that's already working really well, going well, before you test the next thing. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the other thing that I, that I always look for is, uh, and my team always looks for is like, how can we, kill multiple words with one stone in terms of can we have a uh, a pillar channel or asset type or, or campaign or whatever it is that can allow us to do say both demand gen and abm for example like you know yeah. webinars can do that uh podcasts can do that um again there's a bunch of different ways to do it, but you know you can do multiple things with one they're like multiple layers on the same thing yeah I think a lot of people try to think like, oh, well, if I'm doing ABM, I got to have a whole separate thing here. And if I'm doing demand gen, I got to have a whole separate set of things here. And then I'm going to also do X, Y, and Z. And now you've got like, that's a, that that's where I feel like you get too spread thin. You have just too many things there versus trying to figure out, okay, how can I do maybe a couple of these things, but where do they intersect and where do they interrelate? Yeah. I think um, that comes with a good content plan as well. Being able to know how to repurpose the content that you have like if i do content pillars a lot um where maybe you have a white paper but you can customize that white paper to a particular company so there's not a lot of effort that goes into it so that's abm strategy or it's very general but maybe you can get it really specific down to different industries i used to work in finance for home improvement and we took like an ebook that was based around just finance and home improvement and customize it to roofing and 
you know, HVAC and those types of things because we knew that it was similar, but it was just slight differences. So now you can start customizing it and even to companies that you want to go after. Um, but I think it's really about, you know, repurposing your content, figuring out, you know, if you're going to create a piece of content, how general it can be, so then you know how to repurpose it. Can it be a webinar as well? If it's an ebook, I mean, those are some of the best ways to do it. And then, you know, your expert is speaking at it. Can now you start pitching him to speak at different events and publications around the same content? It still drives back to your content door. So I think that's one of the, one of the things that I've learned in my career is just be flexible especially when it comes to content make sure it's you like you just mentioned you can use it multiple different places not just one yeah i think having a flexibility mindset if you will i think is is critical yeah. i think it's, a, it's also a good transition for us into skill sets uh, you, know, you mentioned a couple of things in terms of um and being able to analyze um what's working and what isn't uh, you know, with, with data and being data driven, you mentioned, uh, you know, the ability to put together content plans and uh, content repurposing, thinking through, you know, what you've just done recently and made that switch to, and the decision to say, okay, we're going to shut down our podcast and we're going to focus a lot of our energy on these webinars that seem like they're having a lot, a lot of impact. What type of skill sets does somebody need to have to do that kind of transition um analytical skills you have to be able to look at your data and you can tell a story and even understand what's going on um i think strong communication like you have to be able to have those tough conversations with people who might have been a little you know this might have been their baby um explain to them and, and use data i always find that's the best way to use it um like here's the numbers you know you really can't argue against the numbers um, I think also it's, it's some interpersonal skill sets that you know it's going to be some tough conversations when you're going to be shutting down something, especially if you're the one that concepted it. Because I've had things that have been my idea that didn't work and had to shut it down. It's really some interpersonal conversations you need to have um, to be able to be okay with letting those things go. Yeah, for sure. I think the, the communication aspect of this can't be understated. Because like you said, you're going to be in one or two situations. You're either shutting down your own thing, which is you have to be able to have that difficult conversation with your boss and say, hey, you know what? This thing that I just, I said that was going to work and we put a lot of effort into, it's not going to work. I'm, I'm recommending we shut this thing down and do something else. Yeah. Or vice versa, you could be having a conversation with somebody else that, like you said, it's their baby. And then you got to be able to come to them and say, hey, this is, you know, this is not about, it was a great idea. I'm glad we tested it, but I, I think it make you know, I, here's the data. I think it makes sense for us to, to pivot and do something else. But yeah. Um, what about, you know, you mentioned analytical skills and being able to use data to tell a story. Can you maybe give a, a, an example of how you did that in this situation? Cause I think a lot of people talk about it yeah. and I totally agree with it. I think the question a lot of people have is like, what does that look like? Especially if they've never done it before. Yeah, it's, so what it looks like, and you, know, you have to get used to your tools. So if you're using whichever, like we use YouTube, so it's kind of easy to go in, run the analytics report, but you have to actually look at the most important things. Define your most important things. For us, it was subscribers, views, and length of time they watched it. 
So once you decide, once you decide, like, all right, these are the top things that are important for this type of content or campaign or anything that we're running. These are our top three things. And here's number one, here's number two, number three. Then it's easier just to, to run the numbers. Like you, you can easily run reports and you go like, all right, if for like for this viewpoint, I mean, how many views did this video, this webinar we did a year ago got 20,000 in the past three months? How many views has the average podcast gotten? 150, you know what I mean? Like that was kind of a apples to oranges comparison. And then how many, Subscribers have we gotten from this these videos that are considered webinars? How many videos have we, you know, subscribers we got from these? And it's it's apples and oranges when you start looking at that. And sometimes it's apples and apples. So you have to. That's kind of what I always say. If you can see that the the, the view count is basically the same in these videos, because I had this conversation with um, one of my employees. Like if the video, if the the views are the same and the subscribers are the same. Then maybe the third thing is like how how long are people watching it? If they're watching this one longer than this one, then you're seeing this is more engaging. But for us, it was pretty easy to see how many views, how many subscribers, how long they're watching to make that comparison. Uh, we're also running like a bunch of email campaigns for the first time. Um, I've hired in a program marketing person who does campaigns for us, and now that you know he's run them for a couple months and he's starting to see the data from those. He's now going like, all right, these emails work, these emails don't. The ones with videos produce a lot more click-through rate and they, they open it up. The ones who have blog posts don't. The ones who have, you know, a downloadable, have a higher open rate than these. So now he's making adjustments for me. And that's like some of the things I trained my theme on. Even when it comes to my website designer, when he actually starts looking at analytics and going like, all right, these pages get a lot of views, why? You know, go into Search Console because I'm teaching about Search Console. Go in there and see what keywords are you ranking on and why are you ranking on those things. But I think it's really about finding the right analytics tools to answer your questions. And then it's easier to then have the data points and choose the right tool for you. Um, you know, if SEM Rush is good for you, then do that one. If Search Console is good for you, use that one for those types of data when it comes to the website. For videos, whichever platform you're going to use, if it's YouTube for free or you're paying for something, um, make sure you understand the analytics part of it. And I think that's, as I've grown in my career as a leader, whenever I'm like researching a new technology for us to use or purchase, um, the first thing I ask the salesperson is, so how does your analytics work? <laughs> Can you show me, do you actually have analytics? Can you show me what's working, what's not? Because I know when I go to my leadership team, I need to be able to explain like, hey, here are the numbers and here's the story beyond the numbers. like. You know, we've seen a major increase in leads this quarter. Why? It's because we've launched these five campaigns and we actually can you know, have our CRM and our marketing automation tool connected to all the right channels. So you're like, and you're coming in from this video. So we need to do more of this video. Like that's a, the easy conversation to have. Also had it in my career where I didn't have any analytics or any real data. And now you're kind of trying to make up the story without any facts. So then it's more of an opinion and you know, you never want to go into that type of conversation based on opinions. You always want to go with some hard facts, some hard numbers to show people. Hope I answered your question for you. <laughs> yeah, you did. Um, the one thing I'd, I'd love to dive into maybe a little bit more is, you know, we talked a lot about uh, kind of platform data, analytics data, things like that. Um, when it comes to telling that story to, you know, especially the executive teams, 
how are you building that story and connecting it to business impact and business data? Well, it's, it's always key to understand like what are the business goals. And for me, the head of marketing, like I can set marketing goals, but it always needs to align with what the business goals are. It might sound far-fetched when I you know, explain to our head of operations why website views are very important. He's just like, what? I'm like, but you want these many accounts, so I need to have these many leads, you know, like in order for them, like I need these many leads to have these many opportunities, MQLs, these opportunities, and this percentage is actually going to close. So now I know how many people I need to get to this web page to download a piece of content. So that's kind of where I start, you know, those conversations with. And I think I'm off track on the, what was the question again? I'm sorry. I kind of. Uh, no, I mean, you're explaining it. The question was, you know, how do you take, uh, you know, say platform data and engagement data, like you're talking about video views and things like that. Yeah. And how are you connecting that to business impact and, and business decisions right because you know i think a lot of marketers have been in that situation where you start talking about click-through rates and video view rates and this thing like that and the question yeah. is, so what yeah that that's kind of uh, i think i was going in that direction um my answer but that's always starting with the business goals like if i have clear understanding of what we're trying to do as a business then i have a clear understanding of what we need to do in marketing to get to that goal um it's very easy to go like oh you know, and I've been disconnected in my career from the business goal. You know, I always get it. Sometimes it's like do something cool as marketers. And then you want to spend all this time and energy to do these cool videos. And you want to, you know, do TikTok, even though you're in the B space. It's like, oh, it's cool. It's going to get all these views. And then it's like, all right, you, you, you had a trending or the, the concept of trending because people always want to trend. Why? Let's run and create some trending video. I'm like, do we really? You know, we kind of want something that's going to be quality over the next five years to 10 years sometimes that people are going to go to as thought leadership and want to review and follow and share and subscribe based on that content and not necessarily something really cool and cute that got a lot of attention for a day. Like that's kind of, you know, as a marketer, especially in the B2B space, a little bit different to B2C space because I've done that before too. You kind of have to have an understanding of like what are the true business goals and then how does these things you're creating going to have a long-term impact on those business goals because you know seo is not instantaneous it's going to take a while if you're going to have like a blog strategy to get people into this website for the next five to ten years because of the content you're creating or even next year based on the content you're creating it's not necessarily going to impact the sales funnel immediately and it's going to take a little while same thing with you know, even ad spend, because you're spending ads to get quality leads over to your sales team. A lot of times you have to think about, like, how is this actually going to impact the business long term if we run certain campaigns? Like, it's kind of, I hate to say it's like you have to start from here are the business goals. Here are my opportunities to do it. Am I doing it organically? Am I doing it in paid? Am I doing it through, you know, YouTube? Am I doing it through LinkedIn? Like figure out your channels and then figure out how long it's going to take that channel to help you with that goal, and then that's kind of it helps you with the budget and those types of things too. Um, budgeting is always big. I have to start working on my next quarter, um, but figuring out like how much money we need to spend on something when you don't really have a clear understanding of why you're doing it. It's just back to the initial kind. What was the purpose? So if the purpose is to get this much revenue, then like what kind of leads? we need to get in the funnel to get to that revenue where are they 
how do we spend the money to get them there? Um, and you know, I always say, you know, I've told a lot of young people in their careers that don't get caught up in the, the, the thing, you know, like that new shiny thing. Don't get caught up in that. <clears throat> get caught up in like how are you actually executing upon the goals that the company set because that's going to help your career a lot longer than oh yeah, I had a uh, I had my applied to a job once and it's like I have a million followers on Instagram. I was like that's great. Um, can you help us? you know, gain the followers that we need for our company. And it was just like, we could do a bunch of memes every day, <laughs> you know? And I was like, that's just not, that doesn't help the company long-term. It's, it's cool that you can grow it that way, but you have to understand like the business purposes and understand the company and what they need. So I'm curious on your thoughts on like, how do you decide um, how much you're going to dedicate and invest into evergreen versus this kind of newer yeah it, it's it's a hard balance especially in today's world because it's kind of hard for a lot of people to understand like hey yeah memes are cool they get you a lot and it's, it's using memes for example but yeah they're cool they get you a lot of attention they can if they're funny if they're timely and all these other things but long term how many memes are we gonna have to create over the next 20 years for us to do this so how much energy how many you know resources I need to put into that or if we can create a piece of content that's going to be evergreen for a long time what type of energy and effort and it's kind of like a, a slick balance like for my team uh, I always tell them like we need to do a couple fun things a, a week and let me do like if for my social strategies like five three two you know five talking about what's going on in their industry three promoting stuff that we've done and then two things that are just really fun um, so that's kind of where I always try to figure out that balance as a leader. And sometimes it, it's been different. It's been seven to one, like the 10 out of the 10 things we're going to do as a company, what's going to be self-promotion, what's going to be a lot of fun and what's probably gonna be a little bit more evergreen. So that's kind of the balance. I always try to take the approach to this year, this year I've chose to do five, three, two out of my team, out of the 10 things, these are the things we're going to do next year after analyzing what's going on in the market see what our competitors are doing it might be different you know what i mean it might be four two two you know what i mean four two three or those types of things but i think it's good to always be able to start your plan figuring those things out like all right evergreen stuff that we need to put our industry on for our my company my department is 50 percent of our time the things that are kind of more instantaneous promotional like might be you know, 30% and those really fun things that the memes and the attention grabbers, that's like 20% of our effort as a department. So that's kind of how I always try to do it because it's, it's, you know, it's the long-term, short-term, you know, I think more of a medium-term type of situation. What are your uh, resources in terms of, do you have the resources to create good memes, right? Because like, I, I like memes. I suck at creating memes. Yeah. Every time I see a good meme, I'm like, man, that, that, that's funny. I wish I would have thought of that. But I'm just I'm just not that person. That's not me, right? So, and I, I've, now on the flip side, I have, there's people on our team that do have that skill set. You know, they can do the illustrations and whatever. You know, we've got one, one of our directors of demand gen, like that's his thing. Like he does these really cool looking illustrations that are kind of memes and sort of really dive into, dive into things. I'm like, yeah. Uh, and I think a lot of people look at it and go, oh, well, the company XYZ is doing memes. We should do memes. It's like, well, do you have somebody 
that's witty on your on your team because yeah. on your marketing because if you don't what do you like you're gonna create a bunch of crappy memes and they're not gonna stick and then you're gonna think oh memes don't work yeah I, I see the same thing with like platforms like TikTok and those types of Instagram like not everybody's a good photographer not everybody's gonna be good at creating short videos um, what I've done for my team is kind of based on something our CEOs put together in our industry um, we have like this ebook that you put together and I've been using it for management of the team. So we have like a racy chart based on everybody's, you know, what, who does what, who's responsible, who's the backup for that person, who we're communicating with, who's informed. But we also have like a dedication, a delegation chart. So what are the things, and that's kind of like long-term, that 50% of our time, the long content pieces, who's really good at that? Who loves doing it? If it's me, if it's Nick, if it's EJ, like who's really good at that? Who's good at it, but doesn't like doing it? Who's bad at it but likes doing it? And who's bad at it and hates doing it? And for like the, the memes and those cool things, we start going like, all right, our designer, he loves, he likes doing them. Like he enjoys doing them. So it becomes more of his thing to run and present. Like here's 10 memes I want to post on Twitter for the next month. And they might get shot down or we might be like, oh yeah, that's good. And it becomes his responsibility and his, and I have a very small team. I've had larger teams before. But figuring that part out, like who really enjoys these things, who's good at it, and then let them let them own it, give them ownership of it, let them drive it. Like you said, like I'm terrible at memes, I'm not funny, um, but maybe somebody else is. Maybe somebody else just enjoys doing them or interested and give it to them. Or if I ever do TikTok again in my career, um, if somebody's really good at that creation of those videos, because those things I've tried to do it. It's, not as easy as it looks <laughs> um, to figure out the right music and the right everything. If somebody has that skill set, enjoys it, let them do it. You know what I mean? I think that's what, as a marketing leader, and as you, people are growing up in their, in their careers to try to become a marketing leader, you kind of have to figure out what to delegate. Understand, like, you might not be good at something, but somebody else is, and give them that responsibility. And, you know, pat them on the back and give them their praise when it does really well. Sure, like uh, this is a perfect transition into you've already mentioned a couple, but into tool sets. You mentioned you, you, you got a racy chart to understand who's good at what. Other tools do you specifically use to, again, kind of, I guess, the, let's fr frame it back to the original conversation, which was making this decision to, um, you know, switch from. You know, say one channel or one execution to a different one um, and then be able to execute on that. What what tools are you and your team using? Um, we, so our CRM. Not necessarily like tech either. Let me just clarify. Like, I want to okay. hear about the tech too, but yeah. like tools like spreadsheets and racy charts, like the, those are the interesting things too. So, so we have a, like, have a racy chart. I also have like a, a complete plan on building out um a revenue marketing organization and i got it from the pedal Witch group many years ago i love following their content and you know figuring out like what are my departments am i going to have content digital am i going to have a department just for program marketing and then marketing operations figuring out who needs to handle each one of those have ratio charts based on each function of those things um have the delegation charts um, also have like meeting cadences like so we have each member of my team, we have a one-on-one -on -one every week. Then we also have a team meeting. We have a bigger revenue team meeting. And then for now, for each one of the segments that we have under our department, 
we're starting to have separate meetings that we just discussed those things. So content digital, we have just a meeting to talk about content every week for 30 minutes. Where then it's tactical a lot of times, but sometimes it's also strategic over what we need to create next. Starting to do that too for our program marketing. So we have seven different departments and a product at my company. So I have meetings with every single one of our leaders that run their own department, all seven of them, eight of them now. Um, and then my team, we, we participate in figuring out what is going on with their program, what's their funnel looking like, what are those types of things. And operational side, it's more, we haven't set up a standing meeting yet, but we're going to next quarter. What operationally are we going to do correctly? What software are we going to have? You know, what reporting we need, what analytics that we need, you know, what you know, vendors do we need? Are we doing vendor management correctly? Like those are the types of things that I have. So, you know, our meeting cadence and then also setting up goals from our department, very clear. Because we, we use smart goals, but sometimes we also use OKRs depending on which one part of the business we're working with. Um, because it's they're just at different levels for different things. So do, using smart goals, making sure we can measure these things, making sure we can actually achieve them and setting those with the team. So I kind of have like a, he created this book on a system operating thing that I've been using for the last couple of months to help build out our team. Actually, I, I actually designed it for him, <laughs> which made me go like, I need to actually, you know, use this myself because it's some great content and great thought leadership on how you operationalize, not just this for cybersecurity, but you can really use it. I thought about creating a version too for marketing just because it's, it's very detailed because we all need to have meeting cadences. We need to have our weekly, our quarterly, our yearly to set up our goals. And what are our goals? Who's going to be held accountable? Our racy charts on, you know, I, I think like if you, if you have a multi-person department, you need to start looking at going like, all right, from digital content, who owns digital, but who owns graphics? Who's accountable for it? Who needs to actually sign off on these things for it to actually publish? So those are kind of the, the things that we've been building in my team, like just really thought leadership on like how we actually organize the department, you know what I mean, for each team member to know what they need to do. And also it helps as the leader to, to be able to determine the gaps. We never go to my boss like, hey, I need a digital content person because here's the 15 things that fall under there and we don't have a person dedicated to these five. You know, it helps us when it comes to hiring. It helps us when it comes to really to allegating time because you know you people have to go on vacation we all do um who's your backup you know what i mean or even like the delegation chart figuring out like what are you really good at and what do you enjoy doing you should do more of those things what skill sets do you need to pick up in order to do the things you're interested in so that's one of the things that we run in our our company overall and that's my department's finger on that's what we've been managing towards yeah, I, I love it that we're talking a lot about the operational aspects because I think oftentimes we end up uh, at this point in the conversation, we end up talking about tools, which is great. Um, but I think to be able to make these big decisions, like going back to the to mindsets and being, going back to what we were talking about originally, I think having the organization and that structure that you're talking about, it seems like that would be extremely helpful because then you know, okay, if you need input, you know who to go to, you know who's responsible. You know, you kind of, you probably have a good idea of how people are going to feel about cutting a certain thing versus not, you know, things like that. So I, I love that we're, we're talking about that. Um, any, anything else that come to mind in terms of, uh, I guess we'll 
bring it back to like leadership tool sets, marketing leadership tool sets? Um, I, I think there's so many different types of marketing organizations you can run. So I always like to take the time, like I mentioned, kind of just read a lot of this stuff, serious decisions, purchase by Foster. I read a lot of those different things to understand the operational side of marketing, because as a leader, the one thing that I think a lot of people don't realize is the operational side is going to help you a lot more than your creative side sometimes. Because I've been in my career, I've been a, a writer, a designer, I've managed design people, I've managed creative people, been over content, I've managed different departments. But being able to understand operationally how things work, like how do you hire or how do you start raising your hand when your your team is overwhelmed because you don't have enough people in your department or being able to understand when you need to start developing your talent in different ways. Because like I think that delegation chart, like what do you really enjoy? What do you want to learn? Like sometimes that's helped me develop my team because now I understand like, hey, you know, you're really into project management. Let's see if we can get you some project management certifications and you can do that part for our department, which makes us 10 times better. Um, or, you know, as a creative person, maybe you really want to learn video now. And now we have a video in-house person who can handle a lot of this extra work we have going on. So I think that's the, the one big thing as a going into as a marketing leader, understanding operations a little bit more, understanding budgets, understanding, you know, how to actually write a plan, uh, a go to market plan or a strategy based on what you've been doing. Um, those types of things help you out a lot more than sometimes you're creative. And creative is important, but I think I've, I've worked with a lot of very talented designers who got really good at operations and their careers have blown up because of it. And that's the most creative job I think you can have as a designer. Yeah, I think it's probably also depends on the type of organization you're part of and the stage in that organization's development too. Like if you're, for sure, if you're part of a large organization, you got a you know, marketing team of whatever, 30. Yeah. yeah, you have to have some very good organizational and operational jobs to be able to, lead a team like that. If you're, if you're leading a team of one or two, more of that creativity and I mean, not, not to say creativity isn't needed in the larger teams, but yeah. that's almost maybe a, a premium at that point yeah. in terms of where the organization is and what, what you need to do. So yeah. well, awesome. I think we, you know, we talked mindsets, talk skill sets, talk tool sets. Um, let's briefly talk results. So again, you made this, We've, we've talked about a lot of things, but going back to the beginning, you made the shift from you've shut down the podcast, you've decided to focus on webinars. It was a data-driven decision. Let's talk data. Let's talk results. What, uh, what's been the impact of that? Okay. So since we've launched, we've done, I think we've done four podcasts. We've done four webinars since we stopped doing the podcast. We had done 70 podcast since we've done that we've 5x our funnel over the last three months so i think last year this time we had like 80 leads now we have about 300 400 leads um just by doing webinars because now our audience that we always had on youtube are now starting to come back and watch new videos um, one thing that we've also started to do is since we're doing webinars we've actually started to use that as a funnel so everybody who joined, we did like a four-part series in different uh, topics. And everybody who joins the first one is going to be invited to the second, the third one, and the fourth one. So we now, by the time they get to our sales team as an MQL, there's a very clear understanding like, hey, this person is really interested in our content. They're really interested in the subject matter. 
and is really interested in the things that we actually provide because all our podcasts are based on the services that we actually provide to our customers. So it's been great to 5X the, the lead funnel. Our MQLs have gone up 5X as well. And our sales team are very happy with the opportunities that they had since we've done it too. So it's going really well. Yeah, you know, as we were talking before, before hitting record, you mentioned pipeline has improved too, right? Yeah, so pipeline has improved. I think everything's up 5X, four to 5X since we've done it. So it's been going extremely well. That's great. And I probably should have asked in the very beginning, like what types of, uh, what types of webinars are you running? So we're running very informational live webinars, use another webinar. Um, we're covering the topics right now. We're in cybersecurity. That's our specialty. So we're covering ISO 27001, which is international standard for companies that want to go into cybersecurity. They need cybersecurity certification for another one is our PCI one, which is more related to fintech. So these are the credit card processing types of companies that need to understand like what they need to do since they have to handle credit card data. But, you know, we have a four part series on both of those running. I mean, about to start a second one. Um, and we're looking forward to seeing what happens. Awesome. Well, that's, yeah, the, the, num the numbers prove it, right? Yep. Um, <laughs> so thank you for sharing all that. I think it's lots of, I know we took a, t a couple of detours, if you will. Um, I think it's been <laughs> a great conversation. At least on my part, it's been a great conversation. Hopefully you feel the same way. Yeah. Um, last thing, which I forgot to uh, remind you of, we got a quick lightning round. couple minutes, if you don't mind, we'll go through some uh, rapid fire questions. Um, number one, uh, what KPI, what's the main KPI you use to evaluate marketing success? Um, right now, it is actually revenue. Much revenue we actually grew from last year. I'm part of a revenue, we, our organization is built around a revenue model. So Revenue the organization on marketing, head of marketing done in there, sales, as well as channels. <clears throat> Very good. Now, obviously, uh, you're running webinars, but what's something new you're looking forward to testing out this year? So B2B directories, I'm looking forward to trying those things out. I haven't, we haven't historically did as a company. I've done directories in different industries before. So I just really want to see how those work for us. It's interesting how uh, things that were popular, whatever, say 10 years ago, kind of fell out of favor and now are slowly starting to come back. Yeah, I, and then uh, maybe I, slightly different. Uh, slightly I different worked way. for the yellow many years. Um, that was how yeah. I started my career at AT&T, then became the Yellow Pages, and it was a directory. And people were like, what do we need this for? This book. And then it became online. But now I'm seeing companies like G2 up city those are where people are going to write reviews and then when you're a shopper especially in the b2b industry you're going to look at it um well, last time we worked in credit cards we worked with a lot of the credit card directories and the reviews because it's really social proofing because people want to hear what other people have to say about it's like you know the last door you're going to go work for somebody that everybody loves working at you're going to buy software work with a company that people are on a third party website saying they're doing a good job so i'm looking forward to try out directories Awesome. What's a marketing best practice, quote unquote, that you actually think should stop being a best practice? Oof. Recently for webinars, I was always taught the best practice is to do your promotion for a month out 
like figuring that out. And then reading through the go to webinar recent data, and it was just like, you shouldn't, like, since COVID hit, people don't register webinars so that we go stop doing over promotions. So that's what we did um, recently. <laughs> and it was just like, you can, two days before the webinar, 90% of your people register. So I think that's one of the, the best practices that I was taught in my career that we should stop doing as marketers. I'll probably think a couple more, but I think I'm going to stick with that one. <laughs> nice. Um, what is your f uh, least favorite business word or phrase? <laughs> um, business as usual. And I catch myself saying it from time to time, business as usual. Because what is business as usual? I work for a lot of startups now, and it's never business as usual. Um, <laughs> business is always changing. Um, what is your favorite business or marketing book? Oof. Um, might have to come back to that one. Um, yeah, I have to come back to that one. I can't. It's a lot of my. There's a lot I can think of. But for what's the first one that comes to mind? Scaling up. And it's because it's the book from our company. It's our biggest, like every member of the team gets it when you start. Um, mm -hmm. We all read it. And that's kind of what our CEO and our president has used to build this company well. So it's the first one I could think of. Um, and it's a good book. Uh, my favorite of all time. I, I, it's a lot. It's a lot I can choose from. So I'm going to go with that one. I'm going to go with that Fair one. Fair enough. <laughs> um, what is your favorite song or playlist or artist to listen to at work? Um, Nas. And right. in particular, I would probably go with there's a song he has called Daughters, and I have a 17 month old, and it's been it. I loved it when it first came out, and now it kind of really makes sense. Um, <laughs> but that's my favorite song of his, but he's my favorite artist of all time. Awesome, yeah, really specific in that one. Usually, we get more of a genre answer. That's great. <laughs> um, uh, tell us something about you that we wouldn't be able to figure out through your LinkedIn profile. Let's see. Um, uh, my LinkedIn profile is a lot on there. Uh, probably <laughs> the fact that, you know, I married up. My wife's a veterinarian. <laughs> I was very lucky to, to meet her um, in my life because she's not she's not on LinkedIn. She's not connected to me there. So. Nice. Well, in that case, she probably won't see the promotion for this, so she won't get to hear the compliment. You might have to share it directly with her. I, I will. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, Corey, this, this has been fun. Uh, hopefully you had fun as well. Shared a lot of great things. Uh, last question for you is where can people find you if they have some questions? Um, so if you have any questions, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, Corey Brown, I work for Risk 360. Um, if you have any you know, questions about this like conversation, just reach out on LinkedIn. I can answer them for you. Awesome. Thanks, Corey. Really appreciate it. And I hope you have a great weekend. All right, thank you. Thanks for joining us on another episode of the Master Marketer Show. We'll be back next week with more B2B marketing success stories. Visit our website, www.proofpoint.marketing, for the full episode library complete with show notes, guides, templates, and more. Make sure to follow Proofpoint Marketing on LinkedIn and YouTube so you never miss an episode. Listen every Wednesday wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time.